0: Dr. Doreen Grand is the, Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism.
1: Doreen Grand Dr. Grand Pichet. Dr. Doreen Grand Dr. Doreen Grand is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Good morning, and welcome to Dr. Ask Dr. Doreen. We we have like a new one to add to that montage because if you're keeping track, then you saw Dr. Grampichee on the Doctors the other day. I'm Shannon Penrod, and I am here with Dr. Grampichee herself right now. First of all, good morning, Dr. Grampichee. Good morning, Shannon. Always nice to be here. We're thrilled to have you here with us. Uh, so we did see you, I, for those of you who didn't see it, check out our Facebook because it's there featured prominently right now. Dr. Grampiche was on the doctors earlier this week. Uh, here in LA, it's on it in a, a really outrageously early hour in the morning, but it's worth taping. Uh, and some of, you know, if you're getting up in the middle of the night, man, it's worth checking out, but we have the Facebook clips for you. It's, a, those are available on, uh, on Facebook, but, uh, was it fun to be on the doctors? Dr. Graham? It was, it's,
0: it was absolutely. It's, uh, it wasn't my first time being on that show, but they now have uh, different doctors interviewing. And it was it was interesting and in some ways also a little bit, I guess, sad because the topic that we spoke about was, uh, well, initially they had con- contacted me to talk about uh, stem cell therapies for autism. So we talked about that. And then later they kept me on to also talk about the transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS, um, which is also being used by a lot of people. And so, you know, the reason I say that it was sad, Shannon, is that um, these are treatments that are uh, potentially, well, okay, so stem cells obviously are effective uh, for lots of other disorders. And TMS is definitely the most effective treatment for very, very severe depression, especially when nothing else has worked, right? Mm. But um, like, as usual, as you and I know, uh, you know, we're always trying to find new treatments for autism and sometimes we go with things that have not been yet scientifically supported and both of these this is the case these two treatments are not really scientifically supported for autism yet a lot of parents are already starting to use them and so one of the families that was on the show had actually their child they felt their child had been harmed with the uh, uh the stem cell treatments and you know it, it's always sad because like this is an ongoing thing i've been experiencing for The last 40 years where there's so many uh like people are always trying to find new things which is wonderful but then we jump the gun right and we we try these treatments and i don't know if you remember it's funny because when they were interviewing me and i was talking to the hosts uh we were talking about all the other a whole bunch of a sleuth of other treatments like uh hbot and i'll be honest with hyperbaric oxygen i was one of the people that actually thought this has got to work right theoretically it's so and there's so many parents that really believe that it works and so on and then we did a very expensive study at card i mean it cost us two million dollars to do that study and we had 20 chambers and at 20 different locations and we had I don't even remember, a very large group of children went through this and and we did hours of testing before and after and truthfully it did not have any kind of impact on the symptoms of autism. And of course, as you can see now, uh it's gone away. Or I mean it's there but it's not as as heated That's as probably. it was back yeah. then.
1: I always feel bad though because I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Those were the soft shell chambers. What it what it conclusively found was that the soft ch- chambers that wasn't there wasn't a big enough impact to be able to be measured and say that this can have a positive impact. I wish somebody would go back now and do the study on the hard chambers, which is wildly that much more expensive. But well, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. It feels one, like and nobody the-
1: was interested after that.
0: Yeah. No and. It's very hard, right? Because the soft chambers, we were able to uh, bring them into the sites, right? And it required some uh, like remodeling and so on. But the hard chambers, obviously, you can't, right? You can't. They have to be in very specific clinics where there's fireproofing and all that sort of stuff. And you're absolutely right. The hard chambers, you know, the soft chambers, if I remember correctly, would would offer it would provide 23% more compressed oxygen, whereas the heart chambers are a hundred percent more. And that's, yeah. that's a very different experience, right? And, and that's exactly, thanks for saying that because that's the kind of nuance that actually matters. Yeah. And the yeah. same thing with like stem cells and, and the TMS treatments and so on. And it's, any kind of intervention it's just really important that we have the right like it is it needs to be tested on the right population so it's like individuals who have autism rather than individuals who have depression um children as opposed to adults you know and then what are we expecting like we don't want the outcome measure to be just what people say like because there's this thing called placebo effect, obviously, where mm-hmm. if you put effort into a treatment or any anything, then you come out of it really truly believing. If someone tells you, gives you a pill and says, this is gonna take care of all your problems, and you really believe it, it is gonna actually help improve. That's the placebo effect. And you know, a lot of times it's our kids, right? So we're looking for something that's gonna help us and so the placebo effect is a confound in these situations. It was, yeah. and the other aspect, which we discussed, is, and a lot of our viewers will agree, uh, kids on the spectrum are widely different. Like oh, yeah. as, as as my friend Stephen Shore says, you know, if you met one individual with autism, you've only met one, which is so true, right? And the... The it might work. Any treatment might work with one person and not with another,
1: and that's exactly
0: what the doctors show had. They had one child who had massively benefited, and another child who really just had. They had spent tons of money and with no benefit, and and perhaps even some issues came up. Well, we
1: loved seeing you on the doctors, and and the episode is much bigger than what we just talked about. You really should go watch it, you guys. Um, You can check it out online. Like I said, we have clips of Dr. Grampy on the Facebook page, or you can go check out the entire episode. I found it really interesting um, because there's a lot of controversy uh, going on right now about the behavior of of some of the players and how they're um, putting things out there, which I was shocked. I felt like I was watching Dateline Um, and and I was like, Ooh, I didn't know about that. And listen, I think you know, I, I know a, a couple of things about what's happening in the autism community. Oh yeah, like, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, so it, I th- I learned a lot from it. So check out the doctors, you guys, uh, and check out our fabulous. Everybody was saying how great you looked, and you did. You looked. You always look great on camera, but you looked so great on camera. Good Lord, uh, awesome. thank you. Crack of dawn when we take it, <laughs> I tell you. Uh, well, you you pulled it off. Uh, I got to tell you guys, we're, uh, we're recording this just a couple of hours before we air it. So um, as you're watching, we want you to still um, send in your questions because we always use the questions when we do subsequent shows. So, But right now we're going to be answering questions that uh, have come in in just a few hours before the live show. So and I wanna start with a question that came in during yesterday's show. We had Matt Asner and Nava Paskowitz Asner on. And towards the end of the show, people started writing in asking questions about kids who like we were talking about how beneficial it is, Dr. Shea, to have your kids participate in the arts whether you know whether they're watching or painting and that it's a way of expression for them and somebody wrote in and said but how do i do that when my child is compulsively sticking things in their mouth And and they started out by saying food and then they, then they identified, no, it's non-food items. And then we had a bunch of people writing in and going, PICA, my child, PICA, 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 PICA. Um, And we sort of stopped everything and said, um, now it's time to get professional help. Three parents are not going to answer your question about PICA. But here we have you, an expert yeah. in exactly this. So I wondered if you would take just a minute and talk about. And it was a wide range. There was a three-year-old who was engaging in pica, a four-year-old who was engaging engaging in pica, and a nine-year-old who were engaging in pica. Yeah,
0: it's it's unfortunate. It's, pica is not easy to deal with. And pica, for for our viewers who are not familiar, is basically eating, ingesting non-edibles, and and these vary, right? So like we've had people. Uh, children who would, for instance, scrape chalk off the wall and eat it. We have children who ha- would take pebbles and eat those or sand or whatever it is. And usually what batteries. I see. Say- Pardon me? Batteries. That's yes, the one that yes. scares me. We have kids yes. eating batteries. Uh, all kinds of stuff. And- There's many aspects to PICA, and yes, it is one of those things that can be dealt with behaviorally and should be treated behaviorally, uh, and I'll talk about that in a second. Let's not forget, though, that uh, there are other things to pay attention to if PICA is happening. So if PICA is happening, I've actually had children who really, they had some deficiencies like they were lacking in calcium or other things. And we found that out because they were eating chalk or whatever it was. So it's super important to have regular checkups. And I know that sometimes the checkups are traumatic for our kids. But again, that's another thing that a good ABA therapist can work with uh, the parents on, which is kind of getting your child to go and have blood drawn or a urine sample or that sort of thing, at least once a year, because it really is important to look at these types of deficiencies that are, by the way, way more common than they used to be, mainly because our food source is so bad, you know? So that being said, like you really, if your child is putting things in their mouth and swallowing them, by the way, is different than just putting things in your mouth, if your child is eating, literally swallowing things that are um, not supposed to be eaten, then you do should you should have a test to determine first of all if they have any kind of uh, biochemical deficiency and adjust that. Behaviorally speaking, though, it's a pretty simple kind of a shaping replacement procedure. It's not a big deal. Uh, you do need people there who can handle it on an ongoing basis because. You know if you're what happens a lot of times shannon as you know like when you're a parent and you're busy doing a million other things right and you're trying to deal with or trying to teach something to your child you and i have talked about this often it's not it it isn't possible because you're halfway doing something else and you're you're not able to deal with it and you might miss an opportunity right so and then the whole thing fails because you miss the opportunity you get upset Then the child thinks it's a failure. It just becomes a mess. And it's very helpful if you can, if you're dealing with it, get help. So that you have two or three people, or if you can get someone who has some expertise in behavior analysis, like a board certified behavior analyst or a registered behavior technician. This is not a very complex situation, but it does require a lot of attention. Let's put it that way. And so what you do is you essentially uh will block the you will first of all do everything you can in the environment so you'll make sure that the child does not have exposure to those items that they tend to eat uh, unless there's someone with them right so you want to make sure that the situation the antecedents or the environment is set up in a way that that helps the child avoid this situation to begin with um but you want to actually experimentally teach the child that when let's say it's pebbles right You wanna make sure that the child, when they are in the presence of pebbles, uh, doesn't eat the pebble. So you will, first of all, make sure that you're there or the therapist is there, the pebble is there. If the child starts to go for the pebble, you prevent it, you block it, you help the child learn to do other types of activities with the pebble, but it cannot be put in the mouth. It's just a replacement behavior, right? If every time the child, you need to be careful and you need to watch the child because as much as possible, you want to be able to prevent it so that you can reward the child. If you don't prevent it and the child actually does put the pebble in their mouth and swallow it, now it's kind of like after the fact. And now we've kind of missed the opportunity to give the child a reward, right? So as much as possible, that's what you want to do. A lot of other things that are beneficial, I mean, and, you know, again, going back to whether or not the child swallowed or just puts in their mouth, putting in your mouth could very well be a sensory issue and it's not really classified as PICA. PICA has to do with actually ingesting the item. But, you know, and a lot of our kids have sensory issues, obviously. So it becomes really important to give the child a replacement sensory activity that gives them the same sense of satisfaction. So chewing gum is a great one. Or uh, maybe you know eating something that you can actually put in your mouth and swallow that is not harmful, that is a food item. And so you gradually, over this kind of you know, replacement and shaping activity over the course of time, you can now start to expose the child to more pebbles. But at the same time, perhaps next to the pebbles, they have, let's say, chewing gum. And you're teaching them, don't go for that, go for this, you know, and this is what you're going to, and if you take this, I'm going to be all over it and reward you and we're going to throw a party. But if you go for this, I'm not going to be very happy with it. And, and then you gradually make the environment so that sort of, you know, now go outside and let the child see the pebbles and gradually get to the point where you can generalize it to the normal environment. But it is an issue. It, it's a difficult thing. And I don't really recommend parents trying to deal with this on their own, because it, it is time consuming. And in, in some cases, it can be very dangerous, as you said, with the batteries, for instance. Oh, you're muted.
1: I'm so sorry. Uh, I remember one of the first episodes of House. You remember the old show House? I love Jim- House. Sam had just recently been diagnosed, and it was the first time that I saw uh, a character that was a kid on the spectrum. And it was this big mystery, a house mystery, that the kid was ingesting dirt. Um, that he well, I remember eating. that remember I do that? remember that. And so here's the thing that made me crazy. Eventually, by the end of the episode, that he had a chromium deficiency, and that that's why yeah. he was eating dirt. Um, but what made me crazy was that at some point during the show, they said they were talking, they were interviewing the parents. and They were like, we're very on it, some parents. And we've done, ab- absolutely tried every intervention. We've done everything that there is. Um, and and this is, while they were saying this, the kid was sitting there eating this ginormous bowl of like Kraft macaroni and cheese. <laughs> and it yeah. just made me feel oh, right. oh, yeah. like, I was like, didn't somebody explain to the prop person that eating mac, you know, now we could say, well, maybe it was Daya mac and cheese, right? But back then it was like, there was no mac and cheese. Let's not promote (laughs) casein. Right, gluten gluten and casein express, right? With some artificial colors added to it. Um, Listen, I used to love mac, uh, craft macaroni and cheese too, but for kids on the autism spectrum, there are, there's a better recipe for that that doesn't have those things in it. And so it just sort of, I, I, re, I remember being like, don't they understand that if you did every intervention, then you would know um, and drove people crazy talking about it. But the whole episode, the point of it was that the child had a chromium a deficiency. Yes. And so he was seeking the chromium in the dirt in the garden. Right. Um, and there we have it. Uh, so I, I, I love, Making sure that parents know, because I think a lot of times parents just get so afraid of like, oh no, is this the beginning of the end? And they don't understand that it's treatable. However, it is very scary if you sit and do nothing. Can we just drive home? You can't do nothing. Oh, yeah. Sticking things in their mouth that don't belong there and swallowing them. That is not a let's see how it works out. Maybe they'll grow out of it thing at all. No, not at all.
0: And actually, thanks for saying that, Shannon, because the question came up because you were talking about art. And if your child has PICA, perhaps this is not the time to, you know, uh, start them on uh, art or anything that they will actually put in their mouth. And again, maybe it is the time because every opportunity, every situation is actually an opportunity for learning. It just has to do with whether or not you have the time, you have the resources, and if you do, if you have a, a like the ability now to help the child in terms of learning, hey, don't put these things in your mouth, great. Then let's go for it and do art. And you just have yourself or an adult there to prevent any kind of pica.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I love there's, the, what is it called? The go noodle um thing on, on YouTube. You can put for a three-year-old, cause this was about the three-year-old. If you put that go noodle program on and they have the kids get up and dance and it's all educational and they have them get up and dance. It's not impossible to put something in your mouth while you're dancing, but it's infinitely harder. You, if you're not close to it. And if there's an adult there that's sort of blocking you from, get, then you get your attention on the dancing. And then maybe you know, if it, if it's a compulsion thing, maybe you had it off at the pass, but if it's
0: a mineral deficiency, the minute you stop dancing, they're going to seek it out. So yeah, yeah. if it's a mineral deficiency, it's kind of more important to deal with the deficiency, you know, and then it'll stop. I mean, let's, let's, it's just that simple. Right. But if it isn't, if it's a behavioral thing that has occurred, then it becomes kind of important to figure out how to replace it. And and you know, what we used to do also in the old days, which is something, do you know that like uh, what is it? I forget what it's called, but you can buy it at every pharmacy or drugstore, the stuff that you put on your hands, uh, for kids oh. who bite their hands or bite definition
1: yes. It's like no bite or something. No like bites
0: that. or something like that for kids. And it's perfectly harmless, but it tastes kind of bitter. Yeah. So like, you know, you can use something like that where it makes it a little bit more clear for the child that like this pebble tastes not so good but this other object that like a grape that looks like a pebble tastes actually pretty sweet and i can have it you know honestly sometimes it's just a habit and breaking the habit it doesn't it, it won't go on forever but you do need to do the intervention to break the habit Just is you know
1: yeah. And if you don't have time to go to the drugstore to get the no bite, you know, what else works is aloe vera, fresh aloe vera. Yeah. You can take yeah. fresh aloe vera and put it on their fingers within minutes. It's aloe vera tastes very bitter. I didn't um, know that. Okay. Same thing. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. Bad news bears. Um, yeah. It really put puts you off your meal. <laughs> And totally natural. There we go. All right. We got to get into some of these questions that have been written in. Did I mention that uh, we are live on a bunch of different places? We're live right now on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. And we love to hear from you guys. Even though th- we recorded this just a couple of hours before it's going live, we still want to hear from you guys and want you to participate. You can still write in questions. They'll just be answered in a different show. We're also available as a free podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, it's a free download check us out. We are the number one rated autism podcast. So, you know, you can't, you can't like, isn't that wonderful? And that's all thanks to all of you. Uh, Okay. But we do have another question here. My four-year-old with ASD is pushing his three-year-old brother hard to the ground and worse. He seems to like doing it. I'm horrified and frightened to add to the situation. My mother-in-law saw him do this and is telling everyone in the family that it's because he has autism and has no empathy. And they said, help
0: with an exclamation point. So what would you do in that case? Okay. All right. (laughs) I'm trying to, first come down from the no empathy portion of that question, because honestly, I find my kids are some of the sweetest, loveliest human beings I've ever met in my life. Yeah. It's, it's a
1: lie. It's, it's like misinformation that got put out after Rain Man and whoever perpetuates that now, we need to kick them with a pointed shoe, but not really. I'm kidding.
0: No, no, (laughs) but I'm just saying like Shannon, honestly, I think it's not even, I don't know if, yeah. I mean, you make a good point just because I was so involved in autism already before rain man. Mm -hmm. I I think, I just think it comes from the word autism, you know, the Mm -hmm. word autism has to do with isolation, right? Preference to isolate. And I, I, I think it's, it's very wrong. It's, it's very wrong. And I think our individuals, uh, our, our kids and adults, uh, if they isolate, if they become autistic, which means kind of to isolate, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's because the stimuli in the environment are traumatic for them, are too overwhelming for them and they're trying to protect themselves. So forget about, you know, they're not trying to isolate a lot of our, a lot of our kids really, in fact, a lot of adults that I know and work with, uh, are depressed because they don't have a a social group. Yeah. And so it has absolutely, it makes no sense. So we're going back to the the basic idea uh, that, and and so this is a child who is also very young and the child is pushing their younger uh, sibling uh, in a a dangerous way. And so uh, like everything else, we have to always start by asking ourselves, what is the function of the behavior? Why is the child doing this? and i uh, i'm on this particular one i'm gonna i'm gonna put my money on the fact that it could be attention seeking
1: okay. um a lot
0: of times what so you know and we've talked about functions of behavior multiple times, and there's many functions there's uh always I start out by saying everything we do is to gain access to something or to avoid something. Uh, the things that we want to gain access to could include uh, tangibles like objects, toys, etc., or attention. And usually, what happens when there's any kind of you know conflict between siblings, it has to do with one of those. It's usually a matter of I either want the toy you're playing with, or I want more attention. You're getting attention, and so and and. We need to realize as parents that for our kids, sometimes, not always, but sometimes positive and negative attention are the same. It doesn't yeah. really matter. They just want your attention, right? And and this is not by the way, this this isn't I'm not talking about just autistic kids. I'm just talking about in general human beings yes. want attention and Uh, uh, I don't remember who I was talking to the other day and they were, oh, I was actually doing an intake, I was doing a diagnostic evaluation for a family and they were telling me how this child, their child who was uh, autistic is the oldest child, but battles with the youngest child. um, And it looks like they're both battling each other for attention. And usually uh, any of our parents who have many children will agree that usually the youngest child is the one that gets all the attention, right? (laughs) And everybody learns a different lesson just because of the whole, where you are in the family, right? And uh, in this particular case, it's very possible that the family is giving a lot of attention to the younger child and, and the child in question has determined that they will get attention if they push the younger child. So so as everything else, like always in behavior analysis, once you've identified the function, you will stop it from being effective and you will replace it with some other thing that is more effective. So for example, in this case, you must be very, very cautious to not allow the older child to push the younger child wherever possible. You will get in the way of that. You will prevent it again. I know it's hard and sometimes you just won't catch it. But right. I always like to say try to do more antecedent control. Try to do it, try to uh, you know, get the child, prevent the child from doing something wrong rather than waiting for the child to do something wrong and then being angry and punitive about it. It's always- Well, in
1: fact, when you were like, and it's not just about blocking the access. If what they're wanting is attention, you can shower them with attention,
0: right? Definitely right. So absolutely. So what you do need to do is you need to give the child another way to ask for attention. Mm. If it is attention, you need to have the child, whenever you see that it's about to happen, like they're about to go push their sibling, you need to get in the way and you need to model for the child what you want them to say. Like, mom, can we talk? Or mom, I don't, you know, I want this thing. Or mom, give them some way of getting your attention and then you divert them, go and do something with them for a minute and the whole situation is handled properly. If you wait until they actually push the other child, then it becomes kind of a situation where you you have to do response cost or something negative, right? It's always better to give the child other ways of gaining your attention. Now, it could also be that this child is pushing the sibling because they want access to a toy. Same thing here. You want to make sure that they do not get the toy if they push the child. Mm -hmm. but they get the toy if they ask for it. And, you know, with your attention, it's the same thing. Teach them to ask in a more appropriate way and give the child a lot of attention.
1: I'm a middle child, so obviously I understand the whole getting attention thing. Uh, Totally. I totally understand that. And when I was a teacher, it was funny because there were a lot of students who would come into my classroom And they started putting kids in my classroom that they considered the, you know, the problem cases, um, because I never looked at the kids who had attention, uh, needed attention as being the problem kids. Like to me, give, like, I love when I'm speaking in front of a group of people and I can identify somebody who's really an attention seeker because you know, you're going to win. Yeah. Like it's the easiest thing in the world. If you're willing to change what you're doing when, I don't teach anymore, but some, but not recently, but I would go in and, and direct a play at my son's school when he was in grade school. And there was one class in particular, they were like, oh, you're going to have a hard time with this one. And I went in and it was one young man, his name was Juan. And he was like, you know, just doing all kinds of things and creating havoc in the classroom and I, and I went over and I said, what's your name? And everybody was like, ooh, he's gonna be in trouble. And he said, Juan, and I said, Juan, you've, you're exactly what I've been looking for. I need an assistant director. Can you come and stand right by me? And Excellent. you and I are gonna direct this together. Excellent. And anything that would happen, I would be Juan, what do you think? What should we do here? Suddenly Juan became the best director on the face of the planet, became an ally in what I was doing because I kept his bucket full yeah never was a problem because he he it's had attention good. and control and and every t- and anytime and i would go juan you did that beautifully and and so juan's bucket stayed and that's honestly how i used to look at my students like they were buckets and sally needed this much to be topped off from time I to love time Right. you know roberta needed this much and you had Absolutely. to keep putting things in roberta's bucket because you just couldn't get it filled um, but Juan man, as soon as I, and, and, you know, and he walked taller and he was like, she recognizes that I'm an amazing human being. Well,
0: and and, I and because, and because you, you filled his bucket with the one thing he was seeking, which is attention, you know, and other kids, their bucket might be, uh, filled with other things. Right.
1: Absolutely. I, my, well, I love, that, that. I love
0: that. What a great uh,
1: story. Uh, but I love to go in and teach for those kinds of people. Now, there are other things that are harder for me to recognize, but the attention thing, I always thought that was easy.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and because you can, and because it just becomes a thing where if you keep um, up on it, you never get to the problem. Yeah. Uh, and it works just, if it's attention, it works a hundred percent of the time. So I super love that um, and love being with those individuals because I get it. I get
0: it. Totally. So actually, it's funny you say that because the middle child is usually the child that is like uh, the most patient and oh, they kind me. of, they no no, I'm not, not you know me, I'm not the most patient person,
1: uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just always trying to figure out where I fit in. That's like, where, what's my part? Where do I fit yeah. in? What's my piece? What's right of yeah. Uh, Anyway, okay, this next one is a little sad. Uh, This mom wrote in and said, my son is one of those hardcore cases. Every day is a battle. He is 22. I feel like I have tried everything and that everyone has given up on us, on him and me. My choices seem to drop him off at a facility that I don't believe to be reputable or to simply take the chaos that is my life. We don't sleep we live in fear of another outburst. He communicates with an iPad, but it is not unusual for him to break his own iPad. I have four in the shop being repaired right now. I don't believe that anybody understands. Uh, They didn't really ask a question, but I I see, and this is not the only time I've heard this from a parent who's in dire, that they feel like it's black and white. It's either I just shut up and put up with this, or that I sign the papers and put my child into a facility where I have no control over anything and I fear for their life and my life and that there's no area in between. What do you wanna to say to this parent, Dr. Grant Pichet?
0: Oh my God, that makes me sad, Shannon. Um, you know what you just defined, what you just described, hopelessness, right? Yeah. Hopelessness is depression. So what I wanna talk about is the parent first. That's what I'd like to talk about first. There's many things here that have to be unwrapped and dealt with, but the most important thing is if you are depressed as a parent, which honestly, a lot of our parents have the absolute right to be, because life is overwhelming even if you don't have a special uh, needs child when you do have one and it's a severe situation that others are not there to help you uh, yeah I mean it's natural to be depressed and so I want to take care of you first because you have to be in a good place to take care of your son and there are solutions it's not you you will not be the person to take care of him for the rest of his life Like, let's just start there. But right now, in order for you to gather the resources and, and, you know, put together the village that's going to help you with your son, you need to be better first. So we need to get you to see a psychiatrist, get you to take some antidepressants. And I'm really being very honest about this. This is what I would do. And uh, get some help, like get psych sessions if you can get therapy if you can get on some medication which is not a big deal at all help yourself get family in not to take care of him but to give you respite so you can take care of yourself just for a short period of time and if you don't have family or anyone that you can you know maybe you can hire people who can just come to the home and stay with him until you go have a therapy session, you get enough sleep. Okay. Sleep is very, very important. It is extremely important. And I really, really ask of you to try to help yourself first, you know, and this is a type of case where, I don't know, hopefully you have the resources. I mean, some of our parents go to the local church and Mm -hmm. church groups will come and help. Uh, if you need financial resources, I would suggest that you write in to ACT Autism Care today and we will try to get you uh, a grant to try to get you some respite. Because, uh, And actually, uh, depending on where you are, respite is usually funded. Yeah. Um, so really, I want you to try to focus on yourself first. Okay. Now we're like a month later and we're in a place where you are Able to wake up in the morning and, and not think right away, there's no hope, right? Well, the hopelessness has become maybe, maybe there's 10% room for some hope. Something can improve here. And then these are the things you, you want to do. You need to put, to, first of all, then you need to get your child, first of all, your son, in to see a psychiatrist and get him on some sleep medication period like when it's this severe it, this is no joke like we got to get him sleeping at night and that is probably the most important thing you can do for his health and yours like there is no question about that and if you are seeing a psychiatrist for sleep then there are also medications that help with the uh the i don't it's not aggression really it's like his frustration level and his you know throwing or destroying his iPad or whatever it is but i honestly personally I think a lot of our adults who are extremely frustrated part of it has to do with the fact that they're not sleeping i mean if you don't sleep if i don't sleep i'm gonna be a pretty mean person to deal with all day you know I'm not gonna be happy, so sleep is a very important that's the first thing I would focus on with him. The second thing is. It doesn't matter what age your child is, Twenty, I think you said 22 here, Shannon. It does not matter if you have health insurance or even Medicaid, you can get ABA, you can get applied behavior analysis wherever you are now in the States. And there are individuals who will spend time with him, teaching him how to communicate on his iPad, how to spend time um, in leisure activities how to take care of his adaptive skills, how to, uh, all, all sorts of stuff, right? To the point that, and, and they can be there a lot to help you, like you are, you will have free time when this individual is there working with your child. And so what you've done now is you've taken care of yourself and you have now found individuals who are able to come and take care of your son And both of you are sleeping, which is super, super, super important. Now, a month after that, now you can start fine tuning. And now you can start looking at things like, I wonder why he's aggressive whenever he eats this. And maybe I need to tweak his diet, right? Which is a whole nother thing which will help him. Um, I wonder if there's like a way that I can put him in a social environment where he's going to enjoy that. There's a lot of other stuff that you can do on top of it. But if we want to k- kind of keep it in order, I think the the survival mode is you take care of yourself, you make sure you're feeling okay and sleeping, and then you get him to a point where he's sleeping, and then we start to teach things. Does that make sense, Shannon?
1: It makes total sense. I, I think, um, you know, prioritizing and saying the first thing that happens is that the we got to get help for the mom. I, you know, I, I've never been in this kind of a situation, so I want to make sure that I say that. But I, when there there was a period of time when we started ABA, um, where I was like, "What's going to become of us?" Mm-hmm. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel, and and I remember when we went to start services for ABA, they made me make a list of what what I wanted to work on first. And there were three things I was like, I don't even have to think. They were like, take this home and with your husband and think about it. I said, I don't have to think about it. My son hits his head on the kitchen floor. Whenever stuff happens, I need you to fix that. Or he's going to have applesauce for brains. Um, we don't ever get sleep until three 30 in the morning after driving him for two hours. We need to fix that. Oh, and by the way, I want you to, he could talk once and now he can't talk. So can you do that as well? <laughs> I sort of went into working on the talking. I don't know why, but that was my feeling. And and what they came back and said to me was, um, so the first thing we're going to work on is sleep. And and I was disappointed, and I said, well, I, like maybe we should work on the head banging first. And they said, quite honestly, we have an intervention for the head banging which we're really confident in, but we don't think that you're well rested enough to do it. So we have to get you rested first, Mom. And. What was interesting about that was I would never have prioritized
0: myself. Not yeah. in a million years. I'm yeah, still feeling it now. Yeah. Right? When there's something yeah. wrong with our kids, we cannot prioritize ourselves. I know. But the
1: fact that they said to me, we can't do the intervention for banging his head till you get rest. So we're going to make it so that he sleeps and you sleep first. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, then let's do it today. And of yeah. course, within three days. And it's still to this day, can I tell you, it irks me within three days, they had him going to sleep at eight 30 at night where for the two years before I was up till three o'clock in the morning. And 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 to be honest, and I always tell this therapist, it made me mad because if it was that easy to do, then why had nobody told me what to do before? And I had tried so many of the elements of what they did. I just didn't do them all together in the right format it, it ticked me off but then then they got the head banging under control and then we very slowly started to work on the talking but yeah. it's you know but I on that first day I didn't have enough together I was too underslept to really understand what it was you guys were saying to me so for this mom I, I I'm thinking my son was three on that day
0: yeah. and, and that's exactly that's kind of what I wanted to say so I'm glad you mentioned his age it's three. one thing it's one thing to work with a three year old and behaviorally to get him to sleep. It's another thing to work with a twenty two year old to get him well, to sleep.
1: Well, and also think about how many more years this mom has gone without sleep and how many more years this twenty two year old has had a pattern and and how much more hopelessness and depression that That's there right. would be. I was my son was three and I could pick him That's up right. and I and I thought it was the end of the rope. So I That's can't right. even imagine for this mom. But That's I right. I hope that she can prioritize getting herself and, and listen, I'm not a big one for the medication route. I really am not, but I understand that when you go this long for depression, your body literally can't make the stuff. To well, make the And doctor.
0: also, I mean, that's why, you know, I'm a behaviorist through and through, but I recommend medication in this case. I often do for my older kids, because when you have an adult, when you have a 22 year old uh patient it's you can't mess around with it too much you need a little bit of help because if he gets angry and tantrums you know what's going to happen everyone's going to back off because it's scary it's one thing for a three-year-old to tantrum right it's another thing for a 22 year old so there's really nothing uh bad about having some medication to help you and in the future if you want to get off the medication if he wants to get off the sleep medication That's a whole nother phase that we can work in. But honestly, right now, I just want to get you urgent help. That's right. That's right. And, and
1: I, and I feel so bad because I I know this mom writes and says, I feel like he's given us on up on us on him and me. Um, But there is help. And in almost all states, you know, there, there is a, a system of help and a group of people who could help you yes. with the respite and with other things. If you don't know where to go within your state, if you don't, if you literally don't know who else to call, I would tell you a couple of things. You can reach out to um, the Autism Society that is local. Um, and it will take them a while to get back to you, but when they do, they will know what resources you have there. And if that is too much for you, please, will you do me a favor, write to me and I'll reach out to them for you. Shannon at autism live.com. So let's just say that and put that out there. Uh, okay. So moving on to our next question, where can I get information about which diet I should try for my four-year-old son who's nonverbal and has diarrhea every day of his life?
0: Oh, dear I know, everybody take a
1: breath. Yeah. Well,
0: it's just it, it's, it's just I, I guess for me what what becomes harder and harder is like as you know, seeing that there are so many children experiencing these things and there's the questions still remain, and I've been answering these questions for twenty years, more maybe 30, 40 in some cases, yeah. and it's like uh, you and know, and there I, is I, help and it is fixable. Oh, for it's sure, for yeah. sure. But I have, I mean, I have children who are now adults and who used to struggle the same way with exactly the same issue, which, you know, it's kind of like, when when will there be enough help? When will there be, an, that's, that's where I come from, you know? Yep. So, and when will it become mainstream? Because like I always talk about this with autism. Autism is such a interesting, there's so much debate about what should I do and shouldn't do, it's almost like, you know what? Everybody knows that there's a dietary factor involved with autism. Why doesn't the pediatrician know this? Why do you have to go and seek out specialists for every aspect of treatment? You know, And then even when you do, a lot of behaviorists will tell you the medication is not okay or the, the medical portion is not okay. A lot of the physicians will say, don't do ABA. It's like, there's so much like confusion you know like it's no a disconnect
1: yeah. it's a disconnect yeah i mean it's- i th- i think that most um uh internists and gynecologists didn't understand menopause until oprah did a bunch of shows on it and said no we're doing a series on menopause and i'm bringing the top people in she educated an entire age group of women who were starting menopause and said go to your doctor and when he says this or she says this this, say no I, wow. I I went to my doctor and I said no. Oprah said not to accept that. And he said you're the fifth woman this week who <laughs> said that to me. And I said good, it's working.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. That's so cool. I wish we could get to Oprah and ask her to do a whole series on autism. Oprah, <laughs> was, Oprah, yeah. listen. That yeah. would be amazing. Wouldn't that but happen? um, and uh, so okay, so uh, here is a situation <laughs> which uh you know first the biggest gift i can give to this parent is to for shannon you have the information for julie matthews and we're gonna give that to you nourishing hope and that is one of the people that you need to contact asap i will tell you that i had i have had many children who have uh you know diarrhea all day long every day of their lives and it is it's unbelievable to me. Like, I've even done intakes where the parent will tell me everything about the child for over an hour, and at the end, they'll be like, oh yeah, and by the way, my child has diarrhea five times a day, and I'm like, oh my god, like, let's talk about that for a minute. And it is too, it is not, I do not recommend that you try to figure out what is right. I recommend that you get testing done to identify what exactly is going on. And there's a lot of testing to be done. And these days it's really good because there's, um, you know, easy genetic tests you can start with at home that will tell you, for instance, if your child might have an inability to digest gluten like celiac or other, or they might have uh, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, like, There's a lot of different things that you can test even at home, but you have to go see someone, a doctor or Julie Matthews, is a nutritionist who can actually guide you towards that because they need to like write you a uh, prescription for you to get the right test. And once you get these tests and you identify what is going, going on with your child, treatments vary. So sometimes it is just a diet, And we'll talk a a little bit about the diets. But there's also the possibility that you need to start with a medication. Like There is also the possibility, for instance, if you have SIBO, which more and more kids these days are showing up with SIBO, which is the small intestine bacterial overgrowth, then the treatment is actually an intensive course of antibiotic followed by an intensive placement of probiotics followed by a diet so it's kind of like we really have to like fix things in your gut and every child is going to have a different issue so it really is in the old days we only used to have what's called the organic acid metabolites which wasn't all that accurate it was okay it was all the only test we could do nowadays there's so many different types of tests stool tests that will completely identify what is going on and by the way it doesn't necessarily have to be just a diet it could also be that you now like your child might have fungal infection and you might need to also treat the fungus so this portion that i'm talking about right here the assessment is extremely important it's more important than the diet because you could get it wrong. For instance, many of our parents think that they should just give their child probiotics. Everybody thinks that. There's no harm in that. There is harm in that if your child has the SIBO, which is the small intestine bacterial infection. can get worse if you put in probiotics. So you have to do this in a very specific order. Go see either Julie, talk to Nourishing Hope. They will guide you through this. There are many, many physicians. If you want, Taka has a lot of information as well as Shannon has written up there. maps doctors are fantastic in terms of I- helping you identify and doing all the tests that are necessary to identify what's going on. And then the treatment, um, you know, it can be a just a gluten-free uh, diet. It could be gluten and casein-free. It could be corn, soy, those are all different types of diets. You could have a specific carbohydrate diet. You could do the fine gold. I mean, there's so many different types of diets and it needs to be very specific to your child. I'll take a breath and you can fill it. In well, we, we
1: put up a couple of websites while you were talking. We put up um, the website for Nourishing Hope. We put up the website for talking Now. And, and then uh, in a second here, Traven's gonna put up the website for MedMaps. Cause you asked, where can I go to find out about diets? And I think that those three places, there's a million places we could send you, but those are the three, I think the best that you're going to get the best solution, the quickest without having to dig too far, but there are, there are more sites than that. Um, so that, but I think you, if you start those three places, you'll know where you want to look at next. Cause it'll start right. to win. Winnow- then you might go, Oh, I really need to do the fine gold, or I really need to do, this because you'll start to recognize your own child and things. I, I I do want people to know because nobody told me this. Having diarrhea every day of your life is not normal, not okay, not the best circumstance for your child to be in a learning mode. Um, if you had diarrhea and, and if you have diarrhea every day, same thing for you. This is a sign that something is off. It is time to, you know, change the variables and do something different. Um, because it becomes a, I think it becomes a part you just go, Oh, well, that's what it is. I thought that having diarrhea every day of my child's life was just who he was. Yeah. It's not a plan. It's not a plan. No.
0: No. Um, and and it's so, and it's so important, Shannon. So thanks for saying that because honestly, you don't know. Sometimes it's your first child, right? And you don't even know what normal stool should look like. You just, you don't have a comparison. And and a lot of times the pediatrician will just kind of write it off, right? Because they only really literally have 15 minutes with you or something. And they're like, oh, it'll be okay. He'll grow out of it. I mean, and, and that's, I and mean, that's not the case. And you're essentially that when you have diarrhea, what's happening is you're not breaking down your proteins and you're not getting any nourishment from them. And that is huge, right? If you're not getting any kind of nutrition uh, and it's actually worse than that, it's worse than that because you're breaking down your proteins in only to peptide level and those peptides mimic endorphins. And so your child could potentially be like kind of cloudy and Out of it all day long because of the fact that they're not digesting this food properly. So it's super important to do the evaluation part.
1: Well, well, here's what's weird for me. I remember when we were pregnant and we were um, with Kaiser, and thank you, Trayvon. um, They they sent us to all these classes for being a new parent, and I have never seen so many pictures of poop in my life. (laughs) They showed us and said, "This is what your baby's poop is going to look like if you're breastfeeding, and this is what your baby's poop will look like if." I remember my husband going, who knew that it was all about the poop, right? But what I don't recall is when my child was a toddler, anybody following it up and going, well, now the poop should look like X, Y, and Z. So, you know, so we just kind of literally, uh, sorry for the the pun, slid into diarrhea forever and thought that it was like what we were supposed to be doing. Not fun. Um, Don't do that. I, I always say we're going to make cartoons of little stick figures and say Shannon thought the diarrhea was okay. Don't be like Shannon, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so let's finish off with this one. Well, two, my, my 16 year old is mostly happy, but when he's sad, it's catastrophic. Everything is horrible. It scares me. Then he seems to snap out of it, but as he ages, it seems more extreme and to last longer does the doctor recommend meds? And I'm gonna throw the last one in here that they wanna know if you've heard of Greta Thunberg. Um, okay. Of course you have, yes.
0: Yes, but why are they asking about her?
1: No, this was a second question. It's not part oh, of right. the other question. It's just yes, something. Yes, so I know, but one I'm one just one.
0: wondering how she's related to autism. No. Okay. Oh well, she's on the spectrum. Oh, the, that's why they're asking. I seriously, yes. okay, got it, got it. Yes, uh, because yes. she of identifies. Of course, I as have, a, and she's spectacular, and God bless her. Hopefully, she'll turn around all of the thinking of all of our politicians who don't really care about climate. So that's great. And
1: some, and we've reached out to her people. Someday, I'd like for her to be on the show. But the truth is, she's too busy doing other good things. They Absolutely. sent us, they sent us books, which we've given away at conferences and things, but um. You know we we love Greta. Greta's aware of us, but she is she's on the speaker circuit, so it's very busy for her. Someday, someday, she and Oprah. So, be yes, got it.
0: So the issue of like sad and happy, I it's just it's too broad a question, and I don't know your child. This is one of those situations where it could be a million different things. Um, I do recommend meds when they're appropriate. I don't know in this case what is exactly happening because it could be a variety of things and i'll throw some things out for you to think about i guess because this is a teenager and as we know teens are very moody to begin with so it could be as simple as hormones that's it so that could be just one reason why why we have extremes and you know in the typically developing population is the same thing hormones and especially if it's a boy in fifteen, we're talking about you know, ooh, the hormones are all over the place. So yeah. that if it's that, it'll straighten itself out in a couple of years. The second part is though, it could be that the child does not have a good, a, you know, strong enough understanding of uh, what they're, they don't. They're not able to regulate their own ha- like feeling and express it and talk about it and approach in a way that really represents how they feel. Sometimes like you have our kids, they, they just don't have enough descriptive vocabulary. Um, I was talking to a parent, I was evaluating a family the other day and their child was uh, 13. And he, uh, you know, I was talking to him, he's very not functioning, I was talking to him and I was saying, you know, how do you feel and how are you doing and stuff? And he was like, well, I'm very depressed. And I was like, why are you depressed? And he said, well, because of this autism thing. (laughs) And I said, well, what does that mean to you? And he said, well, because of this, like they don't let me do the things I wanna do. And so it's like a very, you know, like keep in mind that even for us, you know, very articulate individuals as adults, it's hard for us to express how we really feel. And so if you think about our kids, on the spectrum it's even harder it's much harder so the 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 second scenario could just be that he is really not good at expressing his ups and downs Mm -hmm. and so therefore he exaggerates it it's kind of hard for me to explain that one but another if it's that it's a behavioral thing that can be dealt with the third situation is you know i don't know are these scenarios Uh, extreme enough to be considered mania. If they are extreme enough, then you're looking at the possibility of bipolar disorder. So yes, everything is possible, but you should really see a professional for this because I just, they need to evaluate, is it a situational thing? Is it being modified because of the environment or is it something the child has biochemically? So you would recommend that she
1: take this 16 year old post haste to a clinical psychologist? Yes. Or a psychiatrist. Okay. Uh, okay. So a psychiatrist, w- w- well, which one is going to be better or, a, or, a...
0: I mean, the psychologist can evaluate, but then if they evaluate and they recommend medications, you're still going to have to go see a psychiatrist. So, so I, maybe, uh, yeah,
1: go to maybe the psychiatrist, a psychiatrist to start. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, well, you're amazing. Uh, this has been so amazing. I just adore you thank you so much for being a part of this. We, we haven't mentioned, we mentioned about the doctors, but if you guys can't get enough of Ask Dr. Doreen, like the rest of us, check her out on TikTok. Uh, Starting to
0: build that up Shannon. (laughs) Answering a lot of questions there.
1: Yeah. And so you guys, if you're bummed out because your question didn't get answered today, go visit her on TikTok, post your question to her on TikTok. And who knows, she might answer your question next on TikTok, which I just, I just love. I feel like we've stepped into an alternate universe. Me too. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Doreen, she's on TikTok now, answering your questions, of course. Uh, like, I keep thinking we're gonna be forced to do some sort of a challenge where we have to dance next to our cars. Me too. Uh, and please, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm, <just> not, <laughs> I'm not participating in that. But I'll happily ask Dr. Doreen a question on TikTok. <laughs> Uh, so feel free to check that out. You guys, uh, remember that we're back tomorrow live with Bonnie Yates, which is really wonderful. And then on Friday, we are here with Vince Redmond for let's talk autism with Shannon and Nancy. So Dr. Grampy thank you so much uh, for thank being you, with yeah. us and, uh, we'll see you guys uh, tomorrow. And until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. Bye everyone.